are all weirdos. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast, part of the Weird Science family of comic book podcasts. And that's a family, not a network. And it also includes our DC comic stuff and a ton, maybe a plethora times 10 of manga podcast as well. So if you haven't listened to the rest of our podcast after this, maybe you can go check those out. There'll be links in the show notes, but we're here to talk Marvel comics and I'm going to continue catching up on some of these or will I mustard? Oh my, that, that wasn't really a great joke. <laughs> that was really lame, but hey, get used to it. Them's the jokes, people, but we're going to go through a couple books from last week, including Carnage, Thor, and Moon Knight, and actually not including, that's what we're going to talk about. Those three. And overall, eh, we'll see. We'll see what's going on. There's a weird play with a lot of books, not just Marvel. That's kind of something that grinds my gears. And there's a lot of things that grind my gears. They're pretty much stripped by now. But it's the idea of having a book that has on the cover, you know, the picture of the main character, maybe, and on the titles, the main character. And then when you open up the book, Where's the main character? What's going on? Why are they playing backseat driver to all these other characters, some of which I could give a rat's behind about, but that's going to be one of those things. We'll, We'll talk about that as we hit these books. But before we do go off, just remember to go over to Twitter at WS Marvel Comics. Follow us. We'll follow you on back. Then go to our website, WeirdScienceMarvelComics.com, to get written reviews of a bunch of comics that come out each and every week from Marvel Comics. I don't know if you know this, but they do come out with comics each and every week. Also, then go to our Patreon, Patreon.com, slash WeirdScience, where you will get a ton of podcasts, each level, more podcasts, all up to the badass level, where the badasses get to pick everything that we do now right now at this moment our badass patreon spotlight podcast that was coming out every thursday night with two books picked by the badasses of the get fresh crew Uh -uh. that's on a bit of a hiatus that'll be coming back quite soon and we'll get back to that whole deal but right now you still can go and listen to a bunch of podcasts a lot of marvel things one of the things going on right now Me and my man, Matt Razor, who, if you don't know Dr. Razor, then you must not be listening to the Star Wars podcast here that comes out every Friday. But me and Matt do an events podcast, and we ended up doing Secret Wars, this, that. Now we're doing the Marvel Zombies for the spookiest month of the year. Not April, but October. We're in October right now, coming to an end, but we're going through the Marvel Zombies. Zombies at the moment, so go and check that out Patreon.com slash Weird Science But that is it for all of that intro We're going to get into these books I'm going to start with a writer that has kind of driven me nuts At points, the guy makes me feel dumb Other points, he puts me to sleep Sometimes I go to sleep being dumb That is just something that happens But I'm talking about Ram V And we're going to talk about Carnage right now And this is Carnage number 7 Written of course by Ram V Art by Roger Antonio Colors by Eric Arcianega And VC's Joe Sabino on letters Oh what a strange trip this has been It's a wacky book And really when you sit down and think about 
what has been going on and what has been explained and what hasn't, all that stuff, it kind of does get to be a jumble in my mind. So I'm going to read the recap to you so we could all be up to speed. Carnage is loose, rejected by its former host, Cletus Cassidy. The Carnage symbiote's on its own, but it has found a disciple in serial killer, Kenneth Neely. And so what we really found out in the series so far, Carnage has a type. Oh, my. And the murderous symbiote is evolving. After attacking and stealing, maybe rhyming and stealing, the powers of superpowered individuals and possessing a hellhound, Carnage traveled to Niflheim to hunt down his next victim, Malekith. And Malekith and Niflheim, I don't think anybody saw that coming. That just doesn't even roll off the tongue as something that would be happening in a Carnage book in my mind, but I might be wrong. But Detective Jonathan Shade, I, I wish that Jonathan Shade ended up hooking up with Talia Warroad in the Ben Percy Ghostwriter book. I think these two kids could hit it off. I think they could go someplace. Who has been aided by the voice of Cletus Cassidy in his head following an encounter with the symbiote, reached the Dark Elf first, despite Cletus's urging to kill Malekith and end Carnage's hunt once and for all. John spared him. Big mistake. Now, before Carnage and Neely's arrival, the three must do the unimaginable, escape hell. And that's hell with one L, the hardest hell to escape from. Okay, so what's going on here? Well, we end up having two main teams and a wild card. And the first team, hashtag Team Cletus, him, John Shade, and Malekith are trying to escape. You ended up having them get Malekith and said it in the recap. John Shade was supposed to kill Malekith, which would have stopped the whole carnage plan dead. Dead in its tracks. He didn't do that. They made a deal. You end up Malekith is going to lead them out. He's going to help them escape. Now, that means in his mind, killing everybody. You have the pathway to freedom here is paved in blood. And it's all of these giants. And just like maybe an Anakin with the sand people, you have a point where Malekith isn't just going to kill the men. He's going to kill the women and children. And you end up John Shade gets between them and says, you got to stop. This isn't part of the deal. Malekith just says, hey, baby, I'm Malekith being Malekith. And those jerk offs over there, those jag offs, they ended up torturing me for eons and making my life misery. I'm killing them all. Step aside. Stabby, stabby. But it does give you a pause then to go off to hashtag Team Carnage, but also allows hashtag Team Carnage to team up with Hella to then get to hashtag Team Cletus, right? It all makes sense. And so you end up having Carnage kind of down on, you know, if he was able to, like, do the Charlie Brown walk and maybe kick a can or something, he probably would. Seems a little down. And Neely, he seems like he's lost faith. In Carnage and says, what's the plan, dude? I mean, it doesn't seem like we're winning here. It seems like we're going in circles, not doing anything. What is the plan? And Carnage kind of looks at him and says, well, the plan in a minute is get." And the weird play is if I'm Carnage, I'm like, the plan in a minute is you're going to be dead. You know, you better stop with the lip, buddy. No, he says, oh, you don't like it here? Well, you know, I have the power to send you back home where you could just do your serial killing alone, at this point, eh, I think if I was Neely, I'd say, yeah, you know, punch that ticket, buddy. I'm on the last train to Clarksville right now. I'm going home. I'm going home, baby. But he doesn't end up doing that. He basically decides, 
Oh, woe is me. I guess I'll be your whipping boy for a little bit more. Well, while that's happening, Hella is watching. She's sitting on her throne. I know that it is really cold where they are, but still, she is chilling. She's there, chilling out, maxing and relaxing. And you would think maybe she'd have more of an issue with the rule breaking going on, you know, grabbing Malekith. She gets kind of existential a bit of, well, what is punishment? And is the crime fitment? Just this nonsense. But really what it seems is Hella is hella bored. She wants some excitement. She wants to be entertained. And what better way here to get that entertainment than to go and get Carnage and put him in the same room with Cletus and all the others rolled up into one. It's like a hellish version of Pop Rocks in your Coke. And I, I might mean cocaine, but I don't. But, you know, just let's see that powder keg. That's going to be exciting. I'm kind of bored. So she does go off through portals and goes and gets Carnage and Neely and then takes them to hashtag Team Cletus. And when they are doing this, she does whisper, maybe sweet nothings, but whispers in Carnage's ear and says, hey, I know where you're heading. I know what you're doing. And I'm glad she does because I'm left behind. But. Just like Kirk Cameron But I end up where she whispers it Whisper, whisper, wink, wink down the lane Hey, I know where you're going And when you go there, do this But never really says what it is Happens a couple of times in this issue Where you have people say Well, you know what the plan is I'm like, kind of, no Let me hear it But yeah, all that going down You get the two teams against each other While Hella thinks it's hella funny And so you have the deal where Okay, John Shade, he sees Neely. This is the serial killer was after and says, it's all your fault. This is happening. I know you started it. It was you. And that kind of gets stopped. Then you end up having Cletus who goes, that's the guy who replaced me. The jilted lover, Cletus Cassie, is like, that's the guy you have now? Oh, my. I'm so much more of a man than him, even if I am just uh, a voice in somebody's head. Of course, you have Carnage who... There's Malekith. He runs over to him, kind of pops the top off and starts drinking down that sweet, sweet essence of Malekith. And as he's doing it, it it reminds me, and this always pops up, it reminds me of people who end up being pretentious and they're drinking their coffee and they're, I have a taste note here of burnt chocolate and maybe caramel. Well, I think that you end up having carnage like, I have a taste note here. It's, It's baked apple. Cinnamon. Wait, what is this last one? I think it's Venom. And yeah, the Venom mention got me excited. Got me all like, all right. Like, you're heading somewhere now. You're heading to somewhere where I think will be pretty cool. See how that goes, especially with what's going on with Venom at the moment and having Ram V writing Venom. So that's a pretty cool play. I'm looking forward to it. But short leash, if it doesn't progress more from here, and we kind of meander about again. Like if it's that venom mention, okay, that's the high point. Now we got to go back down to the valley before I'm done. I, I won't be able to keep going. It's just, it's one of those, is it worth it? And it's not really yet. And we're seven issues in. We need to get something here. So all in all, I'm still going to give this because of the art and the venom mention. And some of the, I, I thought Hello was pretty fun too, but I'm going to give it, a kiss my grit six and just hope that things get better and better just means things happening and centering on 
Carnage and Cletus. And let's get this thing going, but we'll see. We'll see if it all works out. We'll see if this ends up being okay. And I'd love, again, to hear from people who might be more Carnage fans than I am and, and get the idea that maybe they're liking or disliking it more or less than me. But with that, we'll move on to the next book. Door number 28, part two of Venom of Asgard, part two of two. Plot by Al Ewing and Donnie Cates. Script by Al Ewing. Guest art by Salvador LaRocca. Guest colors by Edgar Delgado. And letters and design by VCs Joe Sabino. wonder why they just don't have guest writer for Al Ewing. This certainly feels like a full-out Al Ewing issue, tapping into a lot of stuff that he has going on in his current Venom run, and mainly his issues of his Venom run. And if you're listening to our podcast, hear me talking about it, or reading that book you'll know that no matter what happens everybody's eddie eddie is everyone and that kind of plays into this issue as well in an issue that i don't think you need to have read the al ewing venom stuff but if you have you get a little extra bit from it now donnie cates he's having some issues it seems and i'm not going to even bother with that because i it's not my business I see a lot of people having gossip down the lane stuff. I'm not a gossip boy. All I have to say is if he is having issues, I hope he works them out and he comes back to writing some kickbutt comics because I really do like Donny Cates. One of the things that I really did like in this Thor run was his Donald Blake story, that whole deal where instead of changing the mythos or origin, he ends up finding a loophole in the old stories to make Donald Blake a really cool and motivated villain. But when that was done, I didn't really need to see him anymore, but here he is. He's here in this, and by the end, you end up getting him, you know, symbioted up. I didn't need that. Now, one of the funny things about that, though, is he's down below. Loki has kind of tortured him and making him the god of lies. He ends up having some problems. But Loki now is the god of I can barely keep a secret. Because he basically tells Thor what's going on, but Thor is either too busy or too dense to figure it out. You almost want to get to this deal where Loki says, knock, knock, who's there? Uh, Donald Blake down below where I'm making him into the God of Lies and have Venom dripping into his eyes. And then Thor goes, I don't get it. (laughs) I mean, it's almost that on the money. But in the story, a lot of eye rolling going on from me reading this. You just come out of the banners of war stuff. And in that you have, oh, my God, a hulked out Thor. Wait a minute. A Thor out Hulk. Oh, my God. Peanut butter chocolate. Oh, geez. And so when you get to this, then it feels like somebody had read that and then said, all right, next do Venom. Do Venom next. And then after, what are we going to do? After, do Wolverine. Like whatever. They, it just feels like you're kind of like, ah, we got some time. Boom. And Al Ewing's here to kind of push his, his Venom stuff. But yeah, when you're going through this, all you're waiting for is when are we going to get Venomized Thor? I've been thinking about this the whole time. Please. You're like, when are we going to get it? We do get it. By the time you get it, you realize "Eh, it's not so big. Eh, I roll. But even before that, where you have the big fight going on and the big fight between Darkoth, the Death Dealer, all symbioted up from Bedlam versus thor and of course if you're gonna go to a hammer fight you don't bring a knife you bring a hammer and he has he has helnir you know the hellish version of molnir eyes roll and you might as well have on you know anytime hey speculators get this 
it just doesn't feel big and by the end mm. so in that though they do mention the symbiote stuff from bedlam and say that he's bedlam's child which i actually thought was beyonce's third group right back in the day so you end up the devil's hammer versus molnir so how is that going to work out will they clash and it looks like odin might be dead the ghost odin and molnir because odin's blood is spilling out all over the place from those cracks in the hammer. It looks like honey. It's like we're in the honeycomb hideout. Come to the honeycomb hideout. I like the honeycomb hideout. That's pretty cool. But to take down all this, that's where you need venom. And you see that it's Eddie. Hey, look at me. I'm Eddie. He keeps saying the Thor. But if you are reading the Al Ewing stuff, you know, again, everybody's Eddie. Eddie's everybody. So, He ends up also being Meridius, so he's not lying. It's one of those, you know, fine print, because when he does end up venomizing up Thor, they take down Dark off Helnir Falls. All of a sudden, old Eddie slash Meridius goes over and picks it up and goes, all right, that's what I wanted all along. Now you're going to have to face me. And they kind of go at it, and you do end up having another huge explosion, and the symbiote dissipates the hell near this sort of thing all is in a pile and it ends up seeping down into the ground which we know because loki keeps wanting to tell us and even we see panels and whatnot of it that goo ends up going down and then going into donald blake who then gets all symbioted up and kind of a neat little play of the serpent down below but now it's donald blake as the venom so but I, I said I didn't need more Donald Blake, especially this quick and changing it into Venom stuff. I, I don't need that. I thought that Donald Blake stuff was really good. We ended up finishing it. Let's go on. And it just felt weird. And this whole thing just felt like just Al Ewing. And that's fine. A lot of people love Al Ewing, but just didn't feel like a Thor deal. And it's kind of I, I hope that people stick around because it's not it's almost like the idea where you have your your football team i'll go nfl and you have your quarterback go down well you have the backup come in you're still going to watch the game so you're waiting for your real quarterback to come in and, and again you can't lose your job to injury right most of the time true blood so but you end up where it'll get back to it let's go for the super bowl when daddy Cates comes back because right now it's not really hitting very well for me, but we'll see how it goes. And we have a couple things coming up with Torn Gronback. Not a big fan, but we'll see. We'll see how this all plays out. But overall, the art's really good. I like Salvador Laroca's art, so that's pretty good. And you get these moments. I rolled my eyes, but there's still moments. And I really want to hit that Kiss My Grit 6. So I'm going to do Kiss it. My Kiss My Grit, Grit 6 is what it is. I could go down to a 5.5, though. No higher than a six, but we'll go on to the next and last book. And we'll end things up with Moon Knight number 16, written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. The issue is called Chinatown. Moon Knight has been trying to dismantle the structure of the group responsible for turning his assistant, Reese, into a vampire. In retaliation, the tutor leader of the structure has sent the assassin's grandma, Anemian, after Moon Knight. Now, I do want to mention the last issue. We found out that Grandma, she does the dim mock like she's in the blood sports. Oh, my goodness. Moon Knight and his alders investigated the assassins and also learned the structure does not venture into Chinatown due to a mysterious rival vampire presence. And I like the pacing 
of this issue. You end up having Mark there in Chinatown, and this presence is a Lady Yulan, a vampire who has her own clan going on there in Chinatown. But we also get some action, a little bit of it, but we still get it from Hunter's Moan, who's actually fighting Nemean and Grandma with her dim mock. So you have a nice little back and forth. You end up having a crazy cliffhanger, but overall, I think that this issue ends up making things feel a little less. They feel a little smaller. Something that kind of ends up happening a bit in this book, when you finally get explanations of things, they're not as big and grand and, and supernatural and mystic as they, they seemed. They're a little less. So I'll tell you what I mean by that. But you do end up having Moon Knight talking to this lady, Yulan. She ends up letting Mark come in, and they're going to discuss Tudor. And we find out through a pretty cool backstory, and I like Lady Yulan. I think she's an interesting character. Her backstory where she's an ancient vampire, and her master, Yi Yang, ended up being sus. You know, maybe even more sus than vampires. Because when I hear sus vampire, that's just vampire to me. That's a given, right? So it's so sus. She had to get out, so she ran away. And while running away, eventually runs into this tutor. They kind of start doing things. They have some things in common, mainly vampirism. And they end up, you know, kind of hanging until Lady Yulon just had enough of Tudor. He's, he's, he's always talking about structure and hierarchies and, and pyramid schemes, right? All that nonsense. So he's really into that. And again, Right there, it's already starting to pull back. The idea of this organization called The Structure. You have Jeb McKay then, you know, explain it as, oh, it's because he likes structure. He likes hierarchies. That's not that cool. I mean, they're vampires. The idea that the guy likes to have, you know, a chain of command and this and that, checks and balances. He like, that's not that exciting or cool. So that lessens it a little. but. Lady Yulon's kind of going, but the big play here is that Lady Yulon seems to have very loose lips. She seems to tell everybody her backstory because Tudor knows it, and then Tudor uses it against her because Lady Yulon wants to avoid going back to Yi Yang, who's still out there. Yi Yang, if Yi Yang finds out where Lady Yulon is, she'll come burn the whole place down and take Lady Yulon back. So that's why she doesn't mess with Tudor. But Tudor still is afraid of Lady Yulon. Lady Yulon's badass. So it's the idea of, listen, you just stay away from me. He's blackmailing her. Just don't get near me and don't take me down. And she's like, eh, I don't really need to do that. She seems very chill. Well, all in all, why is she telling Mark the story? He can now go off. Why doesn't he then say, well, now that you say this, now you can play the idea that, oh, he'll never find Yi Yang. I, I kind of think that he might be able to. And I kind of think that with the information that he has that Yi Yang would want, he might be able to just throw it out there and kind of reel her in. But I don't know why Lady Yulon is telling this. But she also says why she thinks, at least, that Tudor is going after Moon Knight. And it's it's a weird play because the timing doesn't really work very well with this. But also, it lessens things. Like, I wanted this vampire nation type deal of doing their nonsense and, oh, my God, in the shadows and mystery. But what we end up finding out, basically, is that structure and Tudor in particular, 
is mad at Moon Knight because they have franchising rights to doing vampires and he's made a vampire. That's what it seems. She says, this soldier guy here with you, he's mad because you ended up making a vampire and he thinks he should be the only one to do that. But remember, he was already attacking before that. It just doesn't make much sense. So then we get another lesson thing. But I know that this makes a little more sense. But you find out because we never really knew how Soldier was turned to a vampire. Me and Jason pretty much went with that cool idea of Soldier was shot. He's going to die. And as a last result, you do end up having Reese turn him into a vampire. I never thought before until I started recording this that if that's the case, then then Reese has tasted blood and that might cause problems with the whole narration, the whole plot of this book. So they end up and that would be like something like if you're a, a Demon Slayer fan, that would be like Nezuko. She hasn't tasted human yet, so she's still OK. Right. You didn't think you got a Demon Slayer deal. But yeah, there you have it. But it, it was a weird play there. It's like. It makes sense, but it's a little less. But the whole deal of this, how he turned into a vampire then, it was when that bullet went, it went through Reese and then tore out a piece of her heart, kind of like, you know, a Janis Joplin, and then went into Soldier, and that's what turned him. I'm like, that's one of the least interesting turnings into a vampire stories I've ever heard in my life. You even almost had that where you had, it seemed like you were going to Lady Yulon turn tutor but it wasn't quite that either and so everything kind of feels a little less and it feels like i don't know that jeb mckay wants to make it more like a realistic thing but but this is moon Knight, not realistic so you have all that going on but the big play here is that lady yulon would like tutor to be taken out i mean if tutor gets taken out then there's never that fear that he will go off like a whiny jerk to Yi yang and tattletale so she does say, well, there's a big meeting going on because of this whole idea that Tudor likes structure so much. He's intrigued slash jealous slash, you know, maybe hyped up about the sovereign nation of vampires in Chernobyl. And so he wants to get something going on, too. So he's called a meeting of all the more powerful the vampires. They're all going to be there. Not a really great idea to have them all in one room, but you end up having Mark say, well, can you get me there? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'll tell you where it is. But you're going to be in a room with the most dangerous vampires counting on it. And he's all badass with it. We'll see how badass he is later. I assume that these vampires come into town, they start causing trouble and just keep yelling diplomatic immunity at everybody. That's what they're going to do. They're going to lethal weapon it up. But yeah, he's going to go off and take care, maybe take out Tudor. So what else is going on here? Well, yeah, continue that fight with the Hunter's Moon, Emian and Grandma. It does end with that whole idea of them keep saying, hey, give Moon Knight a message. Hey, I got a message for the Moon Knight. And Hunter's Moon's like, really? I'm not a messenger, boy. All right, then we'll kill you. It is killing the messenger, but before they become it. But they end up, it seems like Hunter's Moon might be dead. We'd we'd have to see. We'll have to see how that goes. That's a big deal going on with that. We're just going to find out he's a vampire or something. Right? He's, he's this weird Moon Knight vampire. So we'll see how it goes. But by the end, I said it kind of lessens some things that I like to think of as being more mystical, supernatural, and just cool because of the vampires. But then you're like, oh, no, he, he really likes to have a real good structure and organization of power and 
And this guy has to go to there and you need that in triplicate. And by the way, you better tag everybody on your emails because I have to go through them at night. Just doesn't seem as cool. But that's the way he's playing it. The art looks great. The overall story is okay until that stuff that doesn't seem as cool, but it's still good. This is the most consistent book that I'm reading, I think. You know, month in, month out, it's always at least a good read. I haven't been as big a fan as everybody else, it seems, but I can still admit that it's always pretty good. You, you're usually not disappointed by anything that you're reading and to the point where you're like, oh, this stinks. Oh, man. So, decent deal. I'm going to give it a 7.8 out of 10. And since there's vampires in it, that's a Wolfman 7.8. And that's really me throwing it down. That's the gauntlet being thrown down at those vampires. Because if you don't know, the vampires hate the Wolfman, especially hashtag Team Jacob. The Wolfman. Oh, my goodness gracious. But, yeah, check out these books. Let me know what you think. And we're going to get on to some of the newer books as they come out starting with next week so we'll see how all this is going i've been getting some good feedback i have uh you know pretty inspired to do some stuff and whatnot so thanks everybody who has gotten a hold of me and told me uh what they like and don't like about the show but before we go please go off to twitter at ws marvel comics follow us we'll follow you back then go to our website weirdsciencemarvelcomics.com and then finally go to our patreon patreon.com slash weird science and there you can get a bunch of shows a lot of marvel stuff and maybe the wolf man i'm not gonna say either or it's up to him he may just show up randomly on the patreon the wolf man but thanks everybody thanks for listening and i will talk to you all later go read comics you are all weirdos weird science is the revolution Weird science is the revolution. Weird science is the revolution.